The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. On the last episode, I called it the uh, Borough of Bereans. I don't know why I keep doing that, but welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. On my right, I've got Cherry Lewis. Hello. My left, I've got Billy Kimsey. Hello. And behind the glass, I've got Mr. Andy Bishop. Insert sound effect from me opening the yeah. can earlier. <laughs> Please do that. Yeah. Um, and if, so you don't even know that Andy's got God's first name. So you don't even know that. So you didn't hear it. No. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. You'll have to listen to the joke, Billy. Okay. It doesn't okay. get better when you hear the whole joke. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So, so, so. That's yeah. it, pretty much. Yeah, it's not, it's not that great. Uh, on purpose, just so you know, I can't tell really nasty, dirty jokes you know, on this podcast. I mean, I guess I could. But Andy, Andy's very good at beeping things out. Yeah. What do you consider it's usually dirty? For myself. You know? <laughs> he just listens to his own. Yeah. Well, I had one bad day. I had one bad day in here. Anyway, so we do not have Ralph Hicks here. Uh, Ralph, uh, unfortunately, has had some uh, family emergencies going on out where he's from, and uh, he's going to be gone. He's going to be off the show probably two or three weeks, maybe, maybe even longer. I don't know. He wants to come back, but we're all going to, you know, say our prayers and um, for him. I know that he's going to be bringing his mother out to live with him full time uh, pretty soon. So that's he's got a lot on him. But uh, so we miss Ralph. Sorry to not hear. So we are on part two of the resurrection. And in the last episode, the way that I broke it down was I, I got into the nation of Israel. I got into Islam. I started trying to bring us to the current state of affairs. And to let you know that, you know, Christianity as a religion, you have to remember that its foundational principle is that the Son of God arose from the dead. And that's really what it boils down to. It's the resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from all of the other like major religions in America and around the world. But there are other religions and ancient religions that have had similar stories, virgin births, resurrections, things like that. But you know, this particular story sort of captivated the world at that time. And because of the Roman Empire and where it was at the time and the way that the Apostle Paul spread the gospel, he took it to Asia Minor and he took it through Rome. And by doing that, he catapulted all of this information across the globe. And that's what, I mean, he was brilliant. Paul was brilliant. Now, you know, in order to get the message out, he did that. So, one of the reasons why I want to keep bringing up historical things like we're going to do today is because I want not only our listeners, but uh, for myself, is to understand in our present day where we are uh, in regard to the faith that I have, uh, in regard to other people's faiths. Um, in the last uh, episode, I quoted some Martin Luther King you know, quotes and I talked about him just a tad uh, but I am going to get into them a little bit more, not so much today. Uh, I am going to get into the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. However, uh, it's interesting, the KKK and 
the Southern Christian Leadership Conference or these groups, they use Scripture as a backdrop. Now, the original KKK, it's kind of interesting. Uh, They really don't. Um, I did a little bit of research on their origins, and they pretty much started in 1868, which was right after the Civil War in America, which if you can imagine what you think Armageddon would look like when you're reading the Bible, and you hear that brother against brother— and you hear of all of these massive casualties and all this blood, this war, you know, it's it's splitting the country apart. And there's groups on both sides that are using the scripture as their foundation for why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, our, the entire fabric of the American culture is built pretty much off of that, you know, off of the Bible. It really is. I mean, we can we can try to separate church and state, and I think you know that there's different sides, there's different ways to look at it, but you really can't separate them. You you might say philosophically you want to separate them, but you can't separate church and state, especially at this point. It's not going to happen because there are too many people that are Christians in leadership roles in our country that are shaping our government, you know, our laws. Uh, but also the what they teach in churches, you know, some today, it it shapes our culture and the way that we approach anything, social media, um, any of it. So what I want to do is I'm not going to be able to get to the Black Lives Matter movement. However, uh, I do want to get into a little bit of the racism in our country, which is still something that's very prevalent today, and also to bring out the points of the resurrection at the end of this, because one of the things that happens when you study the resurrection is you're going to find out that every account is different. They they are different eyewitnesses, and I've said that from the beginning. They're different. So in order to understand, you have to really study and think it through to get a full harmonized version of what happened on that day. And it is fascinating. But Rather than just go into just the Bible study, I wanted to get into this side of it too. I wanted to talk about uh, the KKK. So, Billy, if I were to say, you know, explain to me what the KKK is. Do you know what it is? Um, just from what schools tell me, um, as far as studying about it deeper, like the their religion, I knew they were they were they thought they were Christian based. Um, they did believe in God, um, but they were just, I just always assumed they were just scared and then hated black people and, and started their own little thing to, I guess they were angry at the Civil War outcome. I, you know, that's just my opinion of, of what the KKK was. And, um, I, yeah, that's just, just hate. Yeah. How about you, Cherry? What do you? What do you know about the KKK? I just think of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Trying to ensure that, you know, the white race stays primary. Mm-hmm. Does it, Andy, do you have anything to add to that? Like, what what's your opinion of the KKK? I mean, not, not opinion, but what do you know about the KKK? I know your opinion. Um, let me think if there's anything novel I have to say to add to that. No, mostly not. I'm trying to look up a statistic about membership of the KKK that will apply to a conversation eventually is what I'm yeah, I mean, here. Uh, um, 
No, I mean that's it. It was uh, they were they were they they do that thing, you know, where they see all the world's problems as being represented by one people that is very convenient and easy to pick out of a crowd. And uh, I don't know, it's just a scapegoatism, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, and then same thing Germany did with the Jews and happens all the time with uh, out groups, especially identifiable ones. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, oh man, if it wasn't for them, we'd all have jobs. Like you don't have any skills, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, yeah, it's just very, I don't know. It just seems like an easy way to put people together, especially with a super easily identifiable out group like that. Yeah, sure. As far as the KKK is concerned, like I used to, like I watched the movie Malcolm X, for instance, and they showed Malcolm X when he was a kid, when he was Malcolm Little, you know, and he was just a little kid running around. And then these guys come up in these sheets with these hoods on, you know, and they throw these, uh, you know, fire bombs into their house and start burning their house down, you know, and you wonder why these men grow up to become violent. And Malcolm X, you know, believed, hey, you you give us violence, we're going to use violence back. You know, um, Martin Luther King had a different approach. He went with a nonviolent approach, which I actually, in my personal opinion, which is easy for me to say because I'm white and people, you know, obviously I don't want to get beat up. So I like that nonviolent, but I feel like it's effective. I feel like if you stand firm in what you believe and you don't give in, then you know, you're, they're forced to do something with you. And Malcolm X and his version, the Black Panther movement and all that during the 60s and 70s, they were just trying to defend themselves. And rightly so. I mean, they were getting beaten and having their businesses destroyed. And what's that video of that, uh, that lady? There's like this famous thing, uh, famous video from the 60s of this lady, like walking down the street, and she's surrounded. It's terrifying. It's very famous, though. She's surrounded by this white crowd of, like, mostly men who are just slapping her and just kind of pushing her. She goes down the street, and she's wildly outnumbered and not particularly young and just being harassed. And it is just the most – it's the scariest thing you've ever seen yeah. to imagine yourself to be in that position. Sure. Terrifying. Absolutely. So, yes, after the Civil War – and because of the Emancipation Proclamation and because of the, you know, elimination of slavery and when the war was over and then here come the carpetbaggers and they're taking over their, you know, all of their cities and towns and owning their property and, uh, you know, they suddenly lose their entire economy and they all are just rallying around each other to try, you know, to, to survive in their way of surviving, you know, and you're right, scapegoatism is definitely what happened. But you're also seeing it today, and you know they talk about reverse racism. I think racism of any kind really is <laughs> it's a problem. I have uh, an interesting story about reverse racism from today. Oh, that gets very specifically in how I personally believe, and maybe somebody will hear will object to it. So uh, I had a rapper in today, and uh, he showed me this card. I, I don't know really why. I think he was just sort of asking me permission to post it since I'm white. But it was this joke about how uh, something about being a white person, Shrek and whatever her name is from the movies, so much didn't want to be a white person that they chose to be ogres instead. It's worded better than that. <laughs> but that's what I did. I giggled at it. Yeah. I giggled. I thought it was, he was like, is this racist? And I was like, I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure you can be racist in that way 
to the people in power. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. That same joke, if you reversed that joke, it's super racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's not racist when you tell that joke about white people. It's just not. It's just silly. Yeah. It's funny. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So he posted it on his Facebook. I told him anybody not now there's a valid argument to be made that that is racist. I don't think it is, but there's a valid argument. So I told mm -hmm. him, I was like, look, that's valid. But if anybody actually gets worked up about that post, yeah. they're an <laughs> Cut them from your life. Yeah. If they but, get legit worked up, cut them. Yeah. And the reality is, is, yes, it is racism. However, there's no reason for us to get worked up. There really isn't a reason for us to get worked up about it. But that's easy for us to say. Like you said, we've always been in a position of power and privilege. And so- you know, we don't have this systemic problem, you know, for white people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's different. It is. Yeah. It's different. It is. But so I did some research on the KKK and Andy, I don't know even if you looked at the notes, but this is a fascinating study of how they set this group up. And I got news for you. What you think is really not what it was. Okay. So I'm going to read a little bit here just to give you a backdrop on the KKK i got to remove my glasses because I can't read with them, which is silly. So <clears throat> the organization and principles of the Ku Klux Klan from 1868. This organization shall be styled and denominated the Order of the KKK. We, the Order of the KKK, reverentially acknowledge the majesty and supremacy of the divine being and recognize the goodness and providence of the same. And we recognize our relation to the United States government, the supremacy of the Constitution, the constitutional laws thereof, and the union of states thereunder. So, they, they're automatically coming out saying the majesty and supremacy of the divine being. That's not God. That's not Jesus. That's nothing. Like, that's just saying divine being. So, this yeah. is in their little, you know, the little organization and principles of this, okay? Maybe Mason adjacent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they say this is this is an institution of chivalry, humanity, mercy, and patriotism, embodying in its genius and its principles all that is chivalric in conduct, noble in sentiment, generous in manhood, and patriotic in purpose. Its peculiar objects being, first, to protect the weak, the innocent, and the defenseless from the indignities, wrongs, and outrages of the lawless. Such nice people. The violent and the brutal to relieve the injured and oppressed, to succor the suffering and unfortunate, and especially the widows and orphans of, conf of Confederate soldiers. So everything's actually sounding okay right now. Yeah, it brings me back to that weird book on art that I read yes. that I found yes. in that bookstore where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this all seems very nice. <laughs> yeah, what a great community. Jews are swine. Yeah. yeah. Second, to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States and all laws passed in conformity thereto and to protect the states and the people thereof from all invasion from any source whatever. Third, to aid and assist in the execution of all constitutional laws and to protect the people from unlawful seizure and from trial, except by their peers in conformity to the laws of the land. So far, so good. <laughs> all right. Now, now they're going to start breaking out the titles. <clears throat> this is where it gets interesting to me. All right. Section one, the officers of this order shall consist of a grand wizard. You've heard of this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the grand, the grand wizard. wizard. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's important to note that a wizard is never accepted in the Bible. 
I mean, I'm not going down on, you know, screaming at Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. I enjoy it. But he's not a real wizard. He's a fictional character. This guy calls himself the Grand Wizard, which is evil magic, and it's hated in the sight of God, okay? So the Grand Wizard of the Empire and his ten genie. That's not what you think. I'm not talking about like Aladdin and the lamp. Genie is the plural of geniuses back then, okay? Okay. So his ten geniuses. A Grand Dragon. So that's the next guy down, right? So you well, there's got, a wizard, there's a dragon. That's right. You, know I mean? so you got the grand wizard and his ten genies, <laughs> and then below that is the grand dragon. That's important to remember that the dragon was the evil one in Revelation 12 that was cast down, who was Satan, okay? Or the the devil, whatever you want to call him. So the grand dragon. Or there of the was realm. one on the Shrek too. There was a dragon on Shrek. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, yes. Donkey fell in love with it. And flew they, had, they had donkey dragons. That's right. Mm. And his eight hydras. So that's the next one, Hydras. Hydra is a nine-headed water serpent from Greek mythology. Uh, A grand titan, which is a deity prior to the Olympians of Greek mythology. So the grand titan of the Dominion and his six furies. I thought this was interesting. I'd heard furies, but I didn't know what they were, so I looked them up. The furies were female, thonic deities of vengeance in ancient Greek religion and mythology and basically come from the underworld. Okay, so all of these things that they're describing are evil. Yeah, according to scripture, they are especially. I think I think they're evil, just kind of in culture. Yeah, they are. But but see, but they're hiding behind the good. And there's a lot of people, and I'll show you the resurgence of the KKK and how this worked to to pretty much trick people. But they were. It was really just they they already had these inclinations on the inside. They just had a group that they could you know, yep. join and, and then, be a part and, of. And then even if you're just susceptible, if everybody around you is like that, you're a herd animal. It's hard to not be a part of that at some point. Yeah. You just, you, people, I think, underestimate how much we really are, I want to say social, but really it's just better to say herd animals. It's it's incredible. Have mm-hmm. you ever been in a weird crowd? I was, we were playing a bar gig when I was like a teenager. I come from this small town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, up north, just as redneck as any part of North Carolina is, it's just upstate New York near Canada. I don't remember what was going on, but somehow I was in this bar and this dude that I knew, because everybody knew him because it's a small town, started this chant. I don't remember the exact nature of the chant. It doesn't matter. I just remember there was like, racist or somehow weird and it was like the whole bar kind of got into it and you could feel it that I, I didn't but i i could feel the pull because literally every human around me was like whatever the f this was i literally don't remember yeah. i just remember the pull to be a part of that group because it's not necessarily yeah, good it, to not palpable. be in that moment yeah. it's completely palpable you're like weird yeah and I've been in those situations too. Like Sign I've, me up, yeah, yeah. Like you're surrounded by people, and you've got to be a part of the collective, or you might be outcast. You know, I don't know. Anyway, the next one, a grand giant. Well, obviously, we with our study on those, the creatures were described as the Nephilim in Genesis, and were evil, and the reason why God flooded the earth. Um, and uh, the grand it says the grand giant of the province and his four goblins. That sounds good. A mischievous and usually very unpleasant, vengeful, and greedy creature whose primary purpose is to cause trouble to all mankind. Okay? This is from European folklore, though. And then there's also a grand cyclops, and cyclops meaning round eyes. 
uh, were strong one-eyed giants in Greek mythology who helped Zeus defeat the Titans. So there was the Grand Cyclops of the Den and his two Nighthawks, a Grand Magi, a Grand Monk, a Grand Scribe, a Grand Exchequer, a Grand Turk, and a Grand Sentinel. Section 2. The body politic of this order shall be known and designated as ghouls. Ghouls by definition, an evil spirit or phantom, especially one supposed to rob graves and feed on dead bodies. So to think that the KKK was a Christian organization is very silly. Its original state was not, okay? And they, they, they claimed the divine being, but the KKK was not a Christian group. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to defend KKK. I'm not trying to, I'm really not opposing. I'm just speaking from a historical, educated look. You know, I'm just, I'm saying this is this group. They were afraid. They collectively became a group. They came up with all this weird, you know, mythology stuff. And then they started like helping each other out, Okay. Now, I just wanted to read a couple of the questions. If you want to become a candidate of the KKK at this time, here's a couple of the questions. So it says, have you ever been rejected upon application for membership in the KKK, or have you ever been expelled from the same? What a great question. (laughs) Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Radical Republican Party, or either of the organizations known as the Loyal League and the Grand Army of the Republic? I'd never heard of them before. No, me neither. Are you opposed to the principles and policy of the Radical Party and to the Loyal League and the Grand Army of the Republic so far as you are informed of the character and purposes of those organizations? Did you belong to the Federal Army during the late war and fight against the South during the existence of the same? In other words, are you a Union soldier? (laughs) You're You're not getting in. Sorry. Uh, Number five, are you opposed to Negro equality, both social and political? Six, are you in favor of a white man's government in this country? Seven, are you in favor of constitutional liberty and a government of equitable laws instead of a government of violence and oppression? Like some of these I could say yes to. Yeah. You know, like I could almost be in this group, (laughs) except for the Negro part and (laughs) the white government. Um, Are you in favor of the reenfranchisement and emancipation of the white men of the South? and the restitution of the Southern people to all their rights, alike pro- proprietary, civil, and political? That's, I mean, that is, there's your question. You know, they were asking for restitution, by the way. Ten, do you believe in the inalienable right, inalienable right of self-preservation of the people against the exercise of arbitrary and unlicensed power? Now, I think it's, I think it's interesting to note how much more important one of those questions is than literally all of the others to that group, though. Right. That's if the, you can't answer that, six and seven, you're not going to be. In. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And then, and, and, and exactly how far and to whom the the niceness factor. Yeah. Uh, who qualifies for your, you know, for your fairness? <laughs> because yeah. that that gets a little fuzzy. Fairness, huh? <laughs> what do you mean by fairness, bud? Yeah. Uh, well, the. They probably already know, like they already know the answer to these questions before they come to the meeting. Like they're not walking in saying, oh, is this what this is about? Like they already know what's going on. Totally. By the time they're being invited in, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, let's get down here. So as we can all can see, this group is far from Christian, okay? The common thought among most is that the KKK was a body of believers from Christianity with the intent of harming the Negro population after the Civil War. Although it spawned such things, it wasn't just that. It was far more political in nature after the Union had defeated the Confederacy and systematically destroyed their supposed rights and economic systems since the nation split in two. So that's really what this was about. They were fighting for what they believed in. They believed what was theirs, and they didn't want to lose it. 
And that's, that's what every human being does, regardless of it. Regardless of racism, regardless of belief system, if it's yours and someone's taking it away, you're going to fight it. And if you can align with a group that helps stop that, that's probably what you're going to do. That's pretty much what I'm seeing going on here. So as I've, as I've grown in my own faith, I began to understand, I'm, I'm seeing these things, and I'm, I'm starting to see those things sort of materialize in my own life, okay? I do it. It's like group think, group thought. If I'm a member of a particular church, and there are certain things that are going on in that church that I would disagree with wholeheartedly, I will allow myself to look over it, to be a part of the group. Do you yeah. see what I mean? It's like, human in nature. It is human in nature. But human nature, in and of itself, is broken. We've talked about that. I think that until we can learn how to individually overcome some of these things in regard to the group, until we can in- individually overcome them, we'll always be susceptible to that. We have to train our minds. We have to transform the way that we think in order to exercise love. What I mean by the exercising of love, agape, phileo love, whatever, that kind of love in us, it, it requires effort and discipline. That's why they're called disciples. It's a disciplinary thing. You have to think, okay, you know, they had the Lord Jesus walking with them and he was telling them all of the things of God and they they went with it. And there were some that went with it and some that didn't, you know. But I think as in order to become a part of a good group, and we talk about churches, at some at some point, a whole room full of individuals doesn't work. So unless we're all on the same page you know, there's always going to be division. I think that's just natural, right? Just human nature, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. We're herd animals. Exactly. Herd, herd animals. Yep. So I want to read this, uh, I want to read this article that was written on April 10th, 2018, uh, comes from the Washington post. Uh, this author was Deneen L. Brown. The title is revisiting the preacher who used Christianity to revive the Ku Klux Klan. And there's a picture that is shocking. Did you see the picture? There is a a room full oh. of KKK oh, people wow. in the middle of the church, okay. around the pulpit, and up behind it, up on the wall, it says, Jesus saves. Uh, so let's start this. It was approaching midnight on October 16th, 1915. Now remember, the KKK started in 1868, so this is 1915, when Methodist preacher William Joseph Simmons and at least 15 other men climbed Stone Mountain in Georgia. Are you familiar with Stone Mountain? Yep, been there. Have you? Yeah. Did you burn a cross while you were there? <laughs> no, I think we bought cotton candy, which is <laughs> it less, is a, a less kitschy horrible, now. Yeah. but uh, kind of weird. It's kind of kitschy at this stage, you know. Uh, there's, a, but it's it's a current thing that's going on right now. You know, people want that mountain destroyed because of the images that are on the rocks there. It's basically like the redneck version of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Pretty much, it's the way they. But I mean, I could be shot for saying that, you know. I don't really mean any disrespect, but so it says they built an altar, set fire to a cross, took an oath of allegiance to the invisible empire and announced the revival of the Ku Klux Klan. Beneath the makeshift altar glowing in the flickering flames of the burning cross, they laid a U.S. flag, a sword and a holy Bible. The angels that have anxiously watched the Reformation from its beginnings, said Simmons, who declared himself imperial wizard, must have hovered about Stone Mountain and shouted hosannas to the highest heavens. The Klan, which had terrorized black people 
during Reconstruction after the Civil War before being dismantled by President Ulysses S. Grant, who was obviously the general of the Union Army uh, prior to that, before becoming president. It was born again that night in 1915 on Stone Mountain, and Christianity was used to justify a second wave of terror. It was a... As a, a response to like coming waves of integration and stuff that hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But that's, it was, uh, I didn't know that until recently that the claim basically disappeared not long after the end of the Civil War, all the way up until uh, they started to try to like mm-hmm. reintegrate. That's right. And if you remember, uh, I think so. It started in 1868, and like you know, it had been dismantled. But there were still tiny groups, tiny factions that were still going around, still talking, still whispering, still trying to do this. But this is where it gets really crazy. Okay, so restricting membership to white Christians, the Klan wore white robes to symbolize purity, burned crosses to signify the light of Christ, and picked selective scriptures from the Bible to preach white supremacy. The Invisible Empire's comeback was aided by Hollywood's first blockbuster, D.W. Griffith's The Birth of a Nation. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's shocking. Yeah, it's supposed to be like pretty terrible. It's shocking. Like explicit. Yes, and it was the first blockbuster. It was a hit. A super hit. Big hit. Yep. Silent, right? Huh? Silent, right? Silent, and it glamorized the Klan. Yeah, like big time. Yeah. It was huge, huge in uh, reviving the Klan. It Birth sure of a was. nation. Birth yeah. of a nation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. By the early 1920s, the Klan boasted five million members across the country and had infiltrated thousands of churches with its hateful doctrines. So the Ku Klux Klan wasn't originally a Christian organization, but this Methodist preacher and his philosophy and what he read out of the Bible is what he used to catapult the KKK back onto the scene. And then whenever that film came out, which is an understanding of the way to use media and how media can totally propagate your agenda, that's what happened, you know, and it exploded in our country. And it was always seen as a Southern thing. In fact, in the original uh, articles in the Declaration of the KKK, it actually breaks out the territory. It says in Section 1 of its territory and divisions, this was the KKK, K's belief or their territory embraced within the jurisdiction of this order shall be uh, coterminous. I don't know that word. You have to look it up, guys. Coterminous with the states of Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee were all combined constituting their empire. So it was basically a Southern thing. But after Birth of a Nation, It wasn't just a Southern thing. It spread like wildfire across the entire country. Okay, so this is why you've never heard that word. Uh, Because the definition is having the same boundaries or extent in space. So conterminous with just means, yeah, if you're like, it's coterminous with the state of Virginia, you're just saying. Oh, okay. So it's it's, it's a jutting. It feels redundant. Yeah, it's just the state of Virginia. Yeah. That's the boundary. So the you know the KKK they got they heavily infiltrated the American government uh, because of this you know this giant following now that's going on after this film. Uh, this is where you start seeing some of those more uh, the big Jim Crow laws really start kicking in. You know, right after Reconstruction, all the way up to this point, this is where Jim Crow laws begin. You know, and so then suddenly you have you know you've got segregation that's considered a constitutional thing. They they say, this is good for both of us. This is good for your race, good for our race to segregate. And 
um, as these groups tried to integrate, there were a lot of Christian people that were trying to integrate before this massive explosion of, of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. And just so we all understand, there were a lot of white people, whether they were in politics or just in churches around the country, that during Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement in the 50s, they were trying to integrate. They were trying to, to make it fair. But let's say you got on a bus in Montgomery and you were a white person. Uh, you know, a black person was not allowed to sit in the front seats, maybe the first 10 rows, they weren't allowed to sit there. Um, but a white person could sit in the black section if they wanted to, or if a white person was sitting in the black section and the whole white section was filled, the black person was expected to stand up and go to the back of the bus so that the white person could sit down, whether it was in the white or the black section. The blacks couldn't sit there. This was part of the segregation. This was government. And when I've been reading that book, Bearing the Cross, and I've, I've learned tremendous amounts, like the bus company was actually trying to work with Martin Luther King and their group because this boycott was killing their business. And they were trying to work with them, but the government literally wouldn't let them. Like the just the local government in Montgomery, really? the city officials, the mayors. Oh, yeah. Like the bus company was like, absolutely. Let's work this out. This is affecting the bottom line. You know, we're just following the laws. And for a while there, they were like, ah, we're going to have to keep sticking to the laws. But as the boycott went on and on and on, it started affecting the bottom line. Well, it, you should read the boycott of, of the Montgomery buses. You should read about it. It's shocking what the government did just to fight back. I mean, it was, it's shocking. Like they were, they created like um, this ride share program, the blacks did. They came up with this rideshare program where if you knew somebody that was going to work not too far from where you lived and you had a car, then you were, you know, let's work together. And they'd pick up four or five That's different me. people and they would drive them to work, pick them up, bring them back home so that they didn't have to ride the bus, so they didn't have to walk and be alone. They didn't want people being alone. They wanted people in pairs just to protect themselves. And then the government said, sorry, you can't have more than four people in your car. They started pulling people what? over. Oh, yeah. They started controlling That's their everything. their way of a... Uh of defending the business. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? It's bizarre. And so when, you know, Rosa Parks, she was a part of an organization that had been trying to integrate for quite some time. This wasn't like a surprise. Like most people think that Rosa Parks, you know, was just this old lady that was a seamstress and she just got off work and they tried to make her get up. And yeah, although that is true, she was, she had planted herself into oh, this position that to whole, create this. The whole thing was a plan. She was carefully chosen because she was a good upstanding citizen yes. and not young or male in a way that could, you know, be problematic as a visual. Mm -hmm. It was very well planned. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You use the right word. Well, well planned. They had to well plan it. That was the only way it was going to work. They, in order for it to be effective, they had to be able to do that. So when Martin Luther King comes on the scene, he is trying to come at it. He's the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., right? So he is a fourth-generation preacher, and he is trying to help this, but he just became a Baptist minister. He got his doctorate from Boston University. He comes to Montgomery, Alabama to, to uh, pastor a church. While he's there, the civil rights activists that were going on down there at the time had approached him because he was young. He was a you know very educated. He spoke brilliantly, and so they needed somebody to sort of head this up. Not really head it, but just be the face of it. And he decided to do that. And but he always brought his version, which was love. It's a it's a fascinating story, you know. 
I don't know if you know this, but J. Edgar Hoover went after him, sent him a letter, told him to commit suicide. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. harassed by the wow. FBI a He was lot. harassed bad. Yeah. yeah. J. Edgar Hoover hated him, said that he was by far the biggest liar in American history. That's what he called Martin Luther King Jr., you know. And, of course, we all know that J. Edgar Hoover was a cross-dresser now, you know, right. after he died. We found out all that. Uh, and he, you know, he also terrorized a lot of other people like John Lennon and, you know, he went after JFK and I mean, he was, J. Edgar Hoover was, I think, the devil incarnate yeah, personally. He was a terrible person. He had like. all kinds of power, you know, unchecked. You know, he could do whatever he wanted, but he went after Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, they actually said, uh, th- they called him the Black Messiah. That's what that's what the FBI called oh, Martin okay. Luther King. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. So anyway... As after the Montgomery bus boycott, um, the entire African civil rights movement, they started to organize and they started to get better and better and started to communicate like, okay, not only are we integrating the buses, but we're going to start talking about other things now. Like we want African-American bus drivers. Like we, ha- you know, we have other things in mind. So they're just resisting. They're keeping up this constant state of resistance. You know how that feels whenever somebody resists you like all the time. You ever had a kid that resists you? Hmm. Yeah. To wear you out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Smart man, Andy. Have you ever had a dog that resisted you, Andy? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's enough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's good enough. So I want to read now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this part, which is basically the manifesto of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which we all know is still in existence today, uh, is still working with these other groups to help um, – make life better pretty much for all humanity, but especially for African-Americans. So uh, the Southern Leaders Conference, this was on January 10th, 1957, out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the topic was the uh, Montgomery bus boycott and the nonviolence. And this is going to be a little bit long, guys, so I hope I don't bore you too much, but just hear it out. It's really very interesting. <clears throat> At an 11th of January press conference, the delegates gathered in Atlanta released the following manifesto. In it, the black leaders outlined their telegram to federal officials and call upon white Southerners to realize that the treatment of Negroes is a basic spiritual problem. Do you notice that? It's a basic spiritual problem. Far too many have silently stood by as a violent minority stalks over the Southland. They encourage black Americans to seek justice and reject all injustice and to dedicate themselves to the principle that no matter how great the provocation, not one hair of one head of one white person shall be harmed. During the press conference, King also read a telegram from Eleanor Roosevelt, who wrote that she was deeply distressed by violence which had occurred and would suggest an appeal to the president since this is a Supreme Court order, in addition to their wires to Eisenhower, Nixon, and Attorney General Brownell. The conference issued telegrams thanking the editor of the Montgomery Advertiser and the white clergyman Notice, the white clergymen of the Montgomery Ministerial Association for their statements on law and order in the wake of the recent bombings. All over the world, men are in revolt against social and political domination. The age-old cry for freedom and human dignity takes on a significance never experienced before. For in a very real and impelling sense, no man, no nation, and no part of the universe is an island unto itself. I love that opening of that manifesto. 
Asia's successive revolts against European imperialism, Africa's present ferment for independence, Hungary's death struggle against communism, and the determined drive of Negro Americans to become first-class citizens are inextricably bound together. They are all vital factors in determining whether 20th century mankind will crown its vast material gains with the achievement of liberty and justice for all, or whether it will commit suicide through lack of moral fiber. I mean, this is, it's just so brilliantly written. It's good stuff. It, it really, really is. is. And I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it, look into the manifesto of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. But one of my favorite parts is what it said. Not It says, in dedication, it says, we call upon all Negroes in the South and in the nation to assert their human dignity. We ask them to seek justice and reject all injustice, especially that in themselves. Notice that. It's individual. Remember what I said earlier? We pray that they will refuse further cooperation with the evil element which invites them to collude against themselves in return for bits of patronage. Do you get that? Like, don't collude and get paid off. Don't do it. We know that such an assertion may cause them persecution, yet no matter how great the obstacles and suffering, we urge all Negroes to reject segregation. But far beyond this, we call upon them to accept Christian love in full knowledge of its power to defy evil. We call upon them to understand that nonviolence is not a symbol of weakness or cowardice, but as Jesus demonstrated, nonviolent resistance transforms weakness into strength and heeds courage in face of danger. We urge them, no matter how great the provocation, to dedicate themselves to this motto, not one hair of one head of one white person shall be harmed. I mean, I love that. When you look at the manifesto and what happened, what the KKK did, it was all, they were just violent, just complete violence. But I don't know, I've, I've been listening a lot to the civil rights movement of today, and I don't know, it's, I'm kind of jaded by it. There's, there's so many different avenues in social media today that it, we have so much information coming at us all the time. It's kind of hard to pick. What's right and what isn't? It's difficult. Well, it's just overwhelming, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy. I mean, it's the the flavor du jour of media today to just pick the the biggest, loudest, dumbest thing and just say outright that this is the main example of what's happening, which is just stupid but that's how things are sold you find the biggest idiot you can find and you like look this is what these people want and you're like no patently untrue Mm -hmm. but if it supports something somebody might have believed in the first place oh man they love it yeah they love it so if you think about in the way that our society is built and i'm gonna exit out of this and get into the resurrections resurrection part now but Fox News is known as a Republican network, but does everyone know that it's owned by Disney? Well, because these they don't care. I know. Yeah, Disney, I don't know if it's still true, but up until very recently, the Disney made a significant amount of money off of like porno. They yeah. had like huge like porno things. Yeah, but it's, it's just you know it's good money. Listen, they have profit. You know, they they have shareholders to answer to. And yeah, they sure. are a money-making machine. They don't give two craps whether Tucker Carlson gets on there and blasts all this stuff on one no, side. as long as advertisers. And then Robin Roberts yeah. says this over on ABC or wherever she is now. you know. And then Jake Tapper, he left all that 
madness and went to CNN because that was saying, <laughs> you know, Chris Cuomo left ABC and went to CNN because why? It's guys, it's all driven. It's all driven by money. Yeah, you know? it's all about money. Yeah. And so what does the Bible say about money? Do you know? Tell me, Cherry, what does it say? The love of money is the root of all evil. Yes. It's important to say the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you think about it, if you're in the KKK, you're trying to protect yourself, your money, your possessions. All of these things are about protecting your own things. Yeah. It's all, you know? Yes. I mean, what I have, what I want. Yeah. yeah. Or what I perceive that I am owed frequently. Yeah. So can you can you understand why people become alcoholics and drug addicts if they don't have the mentality to withstand this kind of information? Can you can, we, can you understand it? It's not I don't think it's just selfishness. I really don't. I th- I think that it I starts s- there. I still don't understand. You don't? No, I, I still don't. I, I don't. There's I mean, so many I, avenues out there you don't have to go there. I, yeah. If I mean, if you think about what it said um, what you just read about it being a spiritual problem and a, and an individual needs to look at themselves and do the right thing for themselves pretty much is what that one quote that you were reading was saying. That would make sense. Okay, if I go over here and decide to be a drug addict or an alcoholic, how is that doing what's good for myself? Mm-hmm. That There's nothing good. I mean, if you have a glass of wine, you're then you're good. But if you go over here and you're an alcoholic, that's not good for you. And physically, that's, spiritually, emotionally, it's not good for you at all. So you're not you're you're not doing what's good for yourself. That's totally. the trap though. The trap is the the trap is that the glass of wine is okay. And that's how people become addicted oh, yeah. to things. Some people like you know? myself, I'll say, uh, I never drank a beer. Like Drink We've, 40. Yes. <laughs> like if, if, and then, you know, Taste, about the time you catch yourself a good buzz, it's like, well, let's have another one and another. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And some people could sit down and have the glass of wine and maybe not have another glass of wine for a year. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, all I meant was for me that when I get inundated with information, I can totally understand why somebody would try to self medicate to not think. I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying I understand it. I, I, well, I maybe it wasn't it. fair for me to say that because I like Copenhagen. <laughs> I mean, I like my Copenhagen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, I, you know? I dip red seal. And if I don't, I'll, yeah, why? I'll throw why? a bunch of <laughs> if I don't take it. <laughs> I don't have anything. Chocolate. That's all? And coffee. Yeah, I wouldn't count coffee. If I don't have coffee in the morning, I'm like, eh. But do you get angry if you don't have coffee? I mean, if I don't have a dip, like I said, I will throat punch you. (laughs) (laughs) It'll happen. You know, like, don't mess with me. So. I would punch you if you made me dip red seal. (laughs) (laughs) I won't dip Copenhagen because it goes into every crevice. (laughs) Do you do the fine cut? Oh, yeah. It gets in all the crevices. It's gross. I can't take it. I used to dip it. I used to. I remember when I I tried quitting, uh, quitting dipping. Suddenly, uh, Copenhagen came out with their bourbon flavored. It was literally the next day. Like, I quit and I was like, oh, wait, because I like the taste of bourbon. And I was like, oh, what? You know? And so I can't remember who I throat punched, but I got some later that day. Wow. <laughs> anyway. I used to chew red, man. You did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And Kentucky Twist. Nice. Now, Kentucky Twist. 
That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least it didn't get all stuck in your teeth and crevices. I mean, at least with the chewing tobacco. The fine cut stuff. You know, I probably had chew in my mouth once in my life as a kid. An aunt thought she was doing me a favor. I didn't care for it. But that fine cut stuff, like, how does that not just like all in your I, like, I, don't, I don't know. Not I, anymore. I can, You've got the pores like ate up inside yeah, of you yeah, when you the have cancer's going to grow. Yeah, you have a pouch. You got the pouch. <laughs> yeah, you had a pouch. Yeah, I know I have that too. Yeah. I've, yeah. Anyway. So. That's yeah. funny stuff. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. All right. So in the last time we were talking about the resurrection, I read from the account of Mark, and I said, everybody remember what it said at the beginning of it. It said, the the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then if you remember, okay. Matthew was, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, right? So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the Matthew account and then the Mark account. I want you to try to pick up on the differences, okay? okay. I'm not going to explain them yet. Not until we get through all four Gospels. And then once we get through all four Gospels and I've completely bored everyone in America on the history of the world <laughs> and why we have problems. But, <laughs> and I'm sorry that it's boring, but I promise everyone that by the time I'm done, all of this will make sense. I have a reason for doing it the way that I'm doing it. But because the resurrection is so, it's so fascinating to me. Uh, and if, like I said, when you get around some people that really understand the resurrection, they really get excited you know, you've seen a cherry, well, I, haven't you? I think Jesus will come back before you get done with the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when we're on part eight and suddenly the skies, he comes surfing in on a cloud. Yeah, he's like and lightning. And, he's like, Rick, you're boring me. I'm just coming back to end this. Okay? On, you're wearing me out, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, bro. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, the KKK and the neo-Nazis and all that, they, how they got into the Christianity. They, they always seem to forget that Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> You know, he was not a white hippie that played drums for the Rush, or for Rush, you know. He was a Jewish man. All right, so Matthew 28. Guys, I'm going to read this out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, because I just like it. It sounds so much better. I, I actually appreciate whenever you don't read the King James Version, just because it's so much easier to follow. You know why I read it? Do you really want to know why? Because I've been trained to defend that Bible my whole life, that if you don't read the King James Version of the Bible and you read any other Bible, then you are reading a false doctrine and they're taking out the blood and they're taking out this and that. And, you know, it's true. Like the NIV, uh, you know, I've had many people call it the non-inspired version, you know, and not the New International. It's, uh, you know, it, it does have some problematic translations, but all of them do. And I've, as I brought out in the Origin of Satan, you know, podcast that there were some issues with the King James Version too which was shocking for me because I've always defended it so much. But it's because it was groupthink, Andy. If you didn't do it, if you didn't agree that the King James Version of the Bible is God's Word in American English, then you weren't, you weren't going to be— exp Well, I'm. it's coming from someone, <laughs> I want you to know, like the people that say this stuff to me. But you become alienated if you say things. You get, you get ostracized if you say something outside of what the groupthink says. And so— I've always sort of just went with the King James because I knew it was safe. And Fair enough. Yeah. And so now, like, I, I read uh, the NASB, and I like to read the ESV, and I like to read the Common English, and I, I actually read several versions, and that's how I discovered the adversary. That's how I discovered Hasatan. That's how these well, things just, happened. You, if you 
go back to that last that last one. That, I thought that was a fascinating side study, and mm-hmm. I encourage oh, really? you guys. Okay. Yeah, I okay. did that all that stuff. I really had fun on that one. So. Yeah, and and just so you know, it's because I read another Bible that I discovered that word, and I was like, wait, just one second. So if I had only read the King James version, I never would have caught it. Never. And so I feel like sometimes people are trying to control the narrative so much and to keep things the way that they always were, this traditional way, that because they're protecting it so much, you have to keep the same book in order to hold the same philosophies. And I just disagree with it wholeheartedly. I am studying it from all walks, and I'm going back to the Hebrew. I'm going back to the Greek. I'm trying to understand what it's actually saying. I've started discovering that there are idioms in the Bible. There is poetry that I didn't even know that was poetry. Like Because it gets hidden in the King's English, you just can't understand it. I also discovered that a man's private parts is called the secret, and that's King James. The secret? If a woman grabs a man by the secret. I was like... (laughs) I'm going to use that from now on, <laughs> Very especially poetic. especially when I go into a Southern Baptist church. I'm just going to be like, and then she kicked me right in the secret. Yeah. What are you talking about? Go to Isaiah. I'll show you. You know, Resurrection, Matthew 28, ESV. Uh, now, after the Sabbath, toward, guys, try to focus in. I want you to think like detectives. Put on the thinking caps, okay? Cherry, I know you're tired, but just, <laughs> but you drink coffee, so I don't want to hear it. Now, I after. Have any. <laughs> I bet you if you asked Andy, he would give you a glass of water. I can do that. <laughs> nah, or a red dog. Yeah. Caffeinated. Are you on some Copenhagen? <laughs> uh, no. How about some Kentucky oh, Twist? Yeah, yeah. Just right. before you get to reading, just so you know, I went with the Skull Bandits. I'd oh, okay. already chewed the red man. I'd already, you know, had all that. I was hanging with the guys. It was working. Cherry. You're my kind of lady. Yeah, what? Yeah. You know, well, here, like, you whenever you smiled at me and I saw that you had that black stuff right on the front of your teeth, well, I said, man. That little packet come loose in my mouth. Oh, baby. I had to lay out in the woods on a mattress out there. Now, my oh, mattress in the woods? What were yes. you doing there? Listen, that I was, was a, a party. I was a kid. I'll think back on that and I'm like, ugh. But I was so sick, but I knew if I went home, I was going to get whooped. Yes. So I yeah. laid out there and I stayed sick till it went away. And I said, nope. I just like the guy that said, I'm going to take this mattress out here in the woods. <laughs> I wonder what I got in mind. I know what I got in mind. <laughs> you want to see my secret? <laughs> <laughs> I got a six pack of hot red dog and a secret. Yeah. It's oh, bandit. <laughs> now, oh, after wow. the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. 
And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. To the end of the age. Keep that in mind. So you heard all that. And remember what we talked about, the smear campaign, Andy? How, you know, how the Jews had paid off, you know, like the the chief priest and the council paid off those guys so they wouldn't tell them that the angel had came and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's oh, that, yeah. that thing that he was talking about, the smear campaign. So now, you know, in the last, in episode one, I read Mark. So now I'm going to read Mark again after you just heard Matthew. See if you can pick up some sudden, some subtle differences. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, if you read, I discovered in some of my research in some of the earliest manuscripts of the book of Mark, these verses, 9 through uh, 16, 9 through 20, aren't even in it. The earliest manuscripts that were found. These aren't even in it. They were added much later. That's proof. Proven. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And, and he said to them, and this is I've read before. So what I said earlier, which is kind of shocking, but you will discover this if you do enough research, you find out that the uh, chapter 16, verse 9 through 20, actually is not in the earliest manuscripts. It was added by scribes later. And what they were doing was they were taking and sort of putting all of the other stories together to try to help you understand what's kind of like what's going on here. And if if you've been taught that this is the inerrant word of God, which by the way, I do believe it is in its origin 
form, in its original form, I believe that. I don't necessarily believe that of the English versions that are out today, but with enough research and enough hard work, you can actually get to the originals. You can find them. So basically, Mark ends, I don't care what anybody says to me, it ends that they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. That's where the earliest manuscripts that have been found said, and it was added much later. Okay. So did you pick up on anything different between Matthew and Mark? I mm-hmm. read a lot, didn't I? Was there anything that stuck out <clears throat> to you at all? Well, with uh, Matthew, there was two women. Mm-hmm. Mark, there was three. That's right. Uh, Matthew, um, the ladies seen the angel roll the stone away after the earthquake. And then Mark, the stone was already rolled away. Mm-hmm. And I think you said that Jesus told them to go tell the disciples in Galilee. That's right. But then the other one, uh, the it was the angel. Did. Somewhere. Well, actually, according to Mark, it was a young man. It didn't actually say an angel. We assume that it's an no. angel, whereas in Luke, it said it was an angel. But um, interesting that the first one said Jesus told him to go tell, and they did. But in the second one, it says that they were afraid and told no one. And if it ends there... Which I think is awesome. It's so much of a better ending. He said, go tell them. And they were like, nope. They were afraid and they said nothing. <laughs> That's more like it. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't saying nothing to anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, did the angel say to tell Peter that the yes. Matthew? Matthew did? They did he did just say tell no, Peter? No, it was about Mark. It was just Mark. It was in yeah, Mark. Okay. He said, okay. go okay. tell yeah. the disciples and, and Peter. Peter. Yeah, and okay. you remember how we said in the, 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 the podcast before, we were like, why does it say and Peter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I always wondered what it was. Well, I'm not going to tell you today, but I know why it says Ann Peter. And if you try to harmonize this, it's killer. Like, it, there's a reason why he says Ann Peter in the book of Mark. That's awesome. But you're going to have to wait till next time. <laughs> Did anybody prepare for Joel Osteen? No. What is wrong with you people? Wait a minute. What are you talking Whoa. about? No, you you said not Joel Osteen. You said the other one. Is Did this in our it? notes? Are you ready? Yeah. Oh. What? Is this in the notes? No. No, the Joel Osteen thing's like from forever ago. That's yeah, been like, that was like forever again. Yeah. yeah. Did How you get ready for Preflo Dollar? No. Did you get ready for anybody? No. I got ready for, for what Rick. you told me to get ready for. Which was what? The Rick. the funny one. Yeah. Oh. Well, Bible just quotes. so everybody knows, I mentioned it in the last side study, but I think that if Ralph is back, if Ralph isn't back or if Ralph is back, what we will do is we will do the fun episode where we will take certain scriptures out of context. Do you have anything here with you that you can pull out of the hat? Oh, Billy? So like a preview? Yeah. I want to hear a preview. Hear a preview. Let's preview. see what you got. Okay. So you I already to... talked about large genitals of donkeys mm-hmm, and the seminal mm-hmm, emission mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. stallions found in Ezekiel. What else is there? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. How do how do you top yeah, you can't Seminal talk, emissions. Uh, yeah, you can't. You can. There's some more in there. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. Galatians 5.12. <laughs> wow, that's harsh. It's <laughs> harsh. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give them any good ones away. Well, I mean. I do like the, uh, you know, no one whose testicles are crushed or penis cut off shall be amended to the assembly of the Lord. That, what one. now? So if you talking? cut your junk off, you don't get to go 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 see God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. I think it's. I always thought it would be funny, like the day that Abraham said, "Look, we're gonna have to cut off the tip of your penis for you to be a part of my group." 
You know? <laughs> I mean, just think about it in that, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a second. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have some numbing cream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, They're, no, just the babies. It's fine. Just the babies. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, on the eighth day, that's when they do it. But there was a, there's a story in the Bible where, do you remember the one where they, they circumcised the men? All the grown men. All yeah. the grown men. They were oh, really? coming in, they were coming into the village and they, the, the men were like, don't destroy our village, please. We want to be like you, you know, circumcise us and we'll be Jews. And they're like, okay. So they cut all the flesh off of every man's penis. And the next day they completely obliterated the town. Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's like, <laughs> wow. Like they couldn't fight back. It's like, oh, oh me pirates. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I knew that's, that's brutal. A guy I used to work with his son. He couldn't say privates, but he said pirates. And he jumped off a diving board into the water and went kaboom. And he goes, oh, me pirates. <laughs> I think pirates is my new favorite word for <laughs> genitals. I like secret. I still like secret. Yeah. I still like secret. My, yeah. Pirates sounds more adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. So here's my only joke of the day. I guess we're not going to make fun of any prosperity gospel preachers. Uh, we'll get that. Which, which one are we supposed to do notes on? Joe Olstein or what was the other one? I forgot all about Creflo that dude. Dollar. Creflo Sounds Dollar. like money. Tastes like money. Seems like money. Show me the money. <laughs> Show me, Show me the money. load of dollars. <laughs> Touch my secret. <laughs> so wrong. I, I, where do you find that? Rick? I don't know, I, but I, I can tell you this, man. It's in the Bible. But <laughs> it's in the Bible. Here's do you the, Google what verses refer to my junk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> what verse? You didn't no, say no. Um, okay, you didn't say no. Andy's <laughs> actually doing it, so we'll, we'll give it some time. Okay. In the meantime, I've got do a, uh, the one that refers to your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what how did you say it again? What verses in scripture uh, refer to my refer, junk? Refer to, yeah, my, refer to junk. my junk. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, while Andy's searching, yeah. there's also a time whenever uh when Moses goes up on the mountain. Did you find something? It Andy? just comes up as Bible vo- verses about junk food. Oh. Oh, is there such a thing? <laughs> what was the junk food yeah. in the Bible? I don't know. I have to uh Probably coffee. Open one of these open Bible. Probably Copenhagen. There were skull bandits and mattresses. Isaiah wow. 55, <laughs> Isaiah 55, 2. What do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I, I don't know that that's anti-junk food. I think that's it what is. they're trying it's to- It's basically saying no Twinkies. Yeah, rich food? <laughs> Yeah. Delight yourselves in rich food. I don't know. Sounds like fudge to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fudge. fudge. What did Jonah's family say when he told them what about what happened before reaching Nineveh? I don't recall Jonah talking to his family before he reached Nineveh. Hmm. Sounds fishy. (laughs) (laughs) What was Moses' wife Zephora known as when she'd throw dinner parties? The hostess with the Moses. <laughs> oh. Why couldn't the Israelites initially enter oh, the promised land? Take so many of these. You should Listen, save some. For, he, he said uh, one, right? Dude, Andy? I have five thousand. We're only. I'm not in the first page. Why couldn't the Israelites initially enter the promised land? 
Because it wasn't the pinky promised land. Ooh. That one stunk. Put a double. <laughs> that <laughs> one. <laughs> that yeah. was fishy. I've, I've been using that Price is Right sound effect. The, I love when you it. Lose. Yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and on the last one, I heard like out of nowhere, Ralph goes, "Oh man." I, he wasn't even in it. It must have been like oh left over. But it's okay. Sorry. Leave it. It's just hilarious. You know, we're just, it's out of nowhere. Like, and it's just quiet and somber. Oh, man. You know, it's oh, like, crap. Neat. Sorry. No, don't, don't even go back and look. Yeah. I want it to be left there. If anybody's actually listening to this podcast, all seven people. So <laughs> next, uh, next week, we're getting back into the origin of Satan. We're actually going to delve in a little bit. Uh, and to the pseudepigrapha. So uh, I don't know why that excites me. Ooh, it's riveting. Yeah, the Second Temple literature, the pseudepigrapha. If you haven't listened to the Origin of Satan or to the Lucifer podcast, go back and listen to it because uh, it's getting ready to get deep all up in here. Yes, sir. So thanks for listening to the Burrows of Berea. Thanks, Cherry. You're welcome. Thanks, Billy. You're welcome. Thanks, thanks, Ray. A- thanks Andy. Thank you. No, no, thank no, you. Thank you. No. <laughs> all right. Have a good week, guys. See you. Bye. Bye. Be a douche, be a super. <laughs> a super douche. Not it's a like douche. the SD on the chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, super dick, mm. I guess. God, Until I'm the loud. cameras come Why in, so loud? right? Just yeah, just turn the headphones <laughs> yeah, down overall. So, I use the I use the word douche a lot on this podcast. I noticed, like in response to <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. Era. It's our era. I know, but when word. you think about what it is, I mean, it's not a very Christian thing to say, you know. I don't like that douche, you know? And it's like, man, do you even know what you're saying? Like, I know what it is, but when I say it, I'm not thinking of that. It's just like saying dork. But I'm, you know. But it feels better. Douche feels better. Yeah, it's it's, got that good, like, sound. It's it's like the F word. I love when they describe how it can be used as a noun and a verb and an adjective. (laughs) And Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, it's cool. I, just, I just went for the. I just went for the sound effect. Was it's that just, a hot red dog? Was, yeah. Is that a pilsner? Yes. Arizona green tea. I swear. Like, ice cold yeah. Miller Light. What kind do you drink? As long as it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're that hard up for it. Anyway. Oh well. So, did you listen to the last episode? No. The one y- y'all did last week? The y'all did one Satan. last week? Yeah. No, I didn't get to, to listen to that one. Yeah. Man. So, when I keep bringing these jokes, man, you don't even know what I'm I talking know, about. I know. I know. You didn't get to hear my Forrest Gump joke? Nope. Oh, man. <laughs> Before we get too much further, Cherry, can you just kind of be loud for a second? Let me double check something. Hello. Is that loud enough for you? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, probably it's loud. Probably fine. Okay. This is probably about as loud as you might get a little louder, maybe. <laughs> I think those days are over for me. It's a waste. Did you look of over time. the notes at all? I, you I, sent them today. I did. Did you look? And over then them? you pulled an audible on me. I, did. I thought we, I thought we were going to do like. Uh, oh, the, I'm not calling the audible. I don't have Ralph here. I can't do it without. Him. Oh, okay, okay. See, I didn't. I didn't know. You know, I, I didn't know. Yeah, uh, I want is, Ralph to be here whenever we're doing oh, for, the funny uh, one. Did you have any ready? Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> so you're ready to rock. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for some donkey genitalia. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. You're very quiet during all the other ones. Well, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. I did some research. I've, I've done some research so, before on others. I, you know, and, and Rick, uh, you know, I even researched the whole uh, Jesus wasn't born on Christmas thing. You know, I mean, he, you know, he, next he's going to tell me the tooth fairy ain't real or something. <laughs> wow. I'd be okay I with that. news. 
<laughs> the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> it's T O O F. It's the Tooth, tooth Fairy. Tooth, tooth Fairy. Tooth. Yeah. I always, I always say that I'll like both, both of them. B O F O B E M. Yeah, supposedly it means two, but both, both. of them. I say yebo. 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 Bruh. Yeah, bruh. Well, we rolling yet? Yeah, we're going. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs>